So I just wanted to uh, say real quick, just a little bit about uh, myself. If, if you never met me, uh, my name is Pastor Robert Lee, and uh, I've been doing youth ministry for about 10 years now. Uh, and it all started uh, when I was 18 years old. Uh, God saved me out of a, a lifestyle of, of sin and, and uh, worldliness and uh, ungodliness. He rescued me from that. And 18 years old, like my biggest passion in life became to proclaim uh, that Jesus was actually the source of all my joy and fulfillment and meaning. Like he, he was actually going to bring me what I needed most in life, not the drugs, not the sex, not the money, not the power that the world promised. And so my journey begins with God radically saving me and then sending me on a mission. And for 10 years, I've been on a mission to proclaim the truth to students like you, young people who are just pressured and pulled and tempted and gnawed at every day of your life, whether it's at school, social media, at home, wherever, to turn away from God to turn away from the living God. And so I'm, I'm my job, my role as a pastor is to call you back continually and to encourage you and teach you the truth. And so that's a little bit about me if you never met me. Uh, Risen, uh, what is, you know, what you're at right now, uh, just we're at a different location. It, Risen is all about proclaiming the glory of Jesus Christ, proclaiming his glory and his grace and mercy toward us. And so every time when you come to Risen, uh, there are going to be uh, messages that herald the goodness and glory of God. And that's what we're going to be doing tonight. And, and third, uh, I just want you guys to know, even if you guys regularly attend here or you're brand new here, you're not here by chance. We prayed for you. We love you. God has a word for you. He wants to speak to you. And I pray that he uses me to do so. All right, so before we get into our passage and read it, let's go ahead and uh, let's pray real quick. Father in heaven, I just pray for your help now. I, I pray for your, your power to enlighten the eyes of our heart to, to see you, to trust you, to, to grab hold of the blessings of the gospel. Uh, for the first time, or, or to refresh us and do it again tonight. Assure our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So look there with me as we read. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let's pray again. Father in heaven, I do ask now, come Holy Spirit. Use me to declare your riches, the, the riches of your gospel. And may hearts come to grasp these promises for the first time tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So in our passage tonight, verse 1, it is absolutely critical. It's, it's the foundation. It, it sets the foundation for all that will follow. And, and we see this in that word, since. So if you got a pen or something, circle since. Uh, look at verse one with me. Paul writes, therefore, since 
we have been justified. In other words, because we have been justified. And this means that whatever blessing that belongs to the believer, any blessing that, that comes to us from heaven through Jesus Christ, including the ones we'll see in this passage, are grounded, are rooted in the reality that we have been justified. Put another way, if you haven't been justified, then you can't have salvation. You can't have Jesus. You can't have God. So to be justified is a big deal. It's the, it's the cornerstone of the gospel. But so then we need to answer the question, what does it mean to be justified? And, and put most simply, it means to be found in the right by God. It means that on judgment day, when all the host of heaven, when an audience of flaming beings of power and glory are, are watching and, and we stand before God, our creator on that day of judgment and, and every sin we've ever committed, every lie we've ever told, every time we've ever cheated on schoolwork, every lustful uh, or envious scroll through Instagram, every mean word spoken, every act of disrespect towards your parents, when everything we've ever done comes into the blazing light of the holiness of God before all of heaven and not one of your secrets, not one of your secrets are hidden from him. In that moment, God will look on you and say, this one's right with me. This one's debt has been paid. This one, daughter, son, you're free. Now come and enjoy the kingdom I prepare for you. So that's what it means to be justified. It means that God in heaven counts you righteous. He, he, he considers you pure and, and blameless. It means that all our guilt and all of our shame are wiped away. Now, on November 21st of last year, 39-year-old Daryl Brooks Jr. took his SUV and he drove it into a crowd of innocent people at the annual Christmas parade in Waukesha, Waukesha Wisconsin, which is just like an hour and a half south of here. He killed six innocent people. He injured over 40 others. And, and when he was arrested and taken to court, he faced 77 counts against him, including six homicide charges. Now, I think it's right to say that a good, a fair judge would hold Daryl accountable for his crimes. A fair and good judge would enforce the penalty that he deserves. But how is it that we who have so many more counts against us. So many more than 77. We cannot number the charges against us. We cannot number the offenses and the times we've broken God's law over and over again. How is it that books could be filled with our crimes against heaven, and yet it says in Romans 5.1 that we 
are justified. That we're declared innocent. That we're blamed and pure before God. In other words, how could God, as a, a good and a righteous and a fair judge, let you go free? And, and this is the answer. It's because Jesus didn't go free. It's because Jesus wasn't acquitted at his trial. It's because Jesus, with great courage and, and determination and bravery and, and fierceness and love, he, he carried a cross up to Golgotha, and although he was pure, and although he was innocent and good and true, he bore the curse for our impurities, our guilt, our betrayal. And that's why God can declare us just and justified and still be just. And so this is the scandalous truth of the gospel. We are set free because Jesus was captured. We are honored honored before God and angels because Jesus was humiliated. We are justified because Jesus was condemned. And so, so that's what it means to be justified. And, and notice in verse 1 that Paul's, Paul says, it's all by faith. It's all by faith. We're not counted righteous before God. You will never be declared innocent in the courts of heaven because you prayed enough or you gave enough or you fasted enough or you worshiped enough. We will only be justified by believing and trusting Jesus. That's it. And, and while we'll have to wait, right, we're going to have to wait uh, until that day when we actually hear the voice of God make that declaration over us, although we'll have to wait for that, the reality is true now. In this moment, if you have trusted in Jesus, in this moment, a judgment has been made in the highest courts of heaven, in the mysterious and divine realm of God, where angels dwell and nothing fades, you're counted righteous. You're approved. You're accepted and welcomed by God. You're justified by faith now. And because we are justified by God now, we are the recipients of great and glorious blessings in this moment. And Paul mentions three, three blessings of our justification in these verses. Peace, grace, and hope. And the first is mentioned in verse one. So, so look back there with me. Paul writes, look back at your page. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that word peace uh, in this context, is not referring so much to an internal sense of 
tranquility or ease um, or, 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 or a sense of uh, calmness, although that is given to us through Jesus also. However, here it says peace with God. Peace with God. And to get a better handle on the kind of peace Paul has in mind, it's helpful to think of its opposite. Words like hostility, uh, rivalry, war. These would be the antitheses of peace. And, and, and if peace then is a blessing of our justification, this means that according to Paul, apart from faith in Christ, we have no peace with God. Only hostility, only war, only rivalry. We are against God and he is against evil. And this is exactly what Paul says later in this chapter. In Romans chapter 5, verse 9, so it's the first verse in your cross-reference section. Look there. Paul writes, Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Now, if we were to take verse 9 that I just read and we put it right below verse 1, uh, we'd see that Paul uses almost the exact same language. But instead of saying we are justified by faith, this time he says by his blood. And instead of saying we have peace with God, he says we are saved from the wrath of God. And what this means is that for Paul... To have peace with God is to be saved from the wrath of God. To have peace with God is to be saved from the wrath of God. And God's wrath, it refers to God's intense hatred. Intense hatred and judgment are coming against evil. And I, and I think, students, I think sometimes, I think sometimes we forget this. We forget that God hates evil. And I mean, he hates evil with a passion that you cannot conceive of. And, and do you know why God's wrath burns forever against evil? Against sin? Well, because God hates when precious children are sex trafficked. He hates when Vulnerable babies are dismembered and ripped apart in their mother's womb. He hates when crowds of innocent people are ran over by an SUV. God hates evil. He is against evil. He will judge and remove all evil because he is good. He is good. And, and this is the problem because we're the ones who perpetuate the evil. We're the ones who lie and cheat and steal and gossip and hurt people. We're the ones who perpetuate evil. We make it go forth. And therefore, apart from Christ justifying us, the stores of God's righteous wrath is weighing against evildoers. Us. And, and this is important for us to understand. In, in God's view, you know, there's no safe middle ground. There's no neutral, I'm going to hold the fence position and I'm going to wait to become a Christian, you know, later in life. I'm going to enjoy the flesh now and the things of the flesh now. There's only two options before us. It's, it's peace or it's wrath. And you're either in one of, the, you're in one of those camps. 
Those are our options. And by faith in Jesus, Paul says, we can choose peace. You can have real peace. We can have a restored relationship with our Creator. A relationship not no longer defined by you know, rebellion and sin. But harmony and unity. We don't have to stay God's enemies because through Christ, God can become our ally. And our friend. Now, a second blessing of our justification is described in the first half of verse 2. So go ahead and look back at your pages with me. Paul writes, Through him we also have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. According to Paul, then, when we are justified by faith in Jesus, we gain permanent access into this state, this existence of grace. And grace refers to simply God's favor, God's goodwill towards you, even though you're totally undeserving, even though you're totally unworthy. So put another way, the justified believer in Jesus lives every day under a a, a fountain of just God's kindness and, and mercy. Every day, God pours out new favor and new blessings upon them. Every moment, uh, those in grace, he's working to help and protect and provide for them. He has no ill will against those in grace. There's no anger. There's no frustration. There's no animosity. Just grace upon grace upon grace. There's oceans of grace we swim in. Justified believers live, breathe, move, and have their being in the grace of God. And that's the second blessing of our justification. So along with peace and along with access to grace, the third and final blessing of our justification comes in the second half of verse 2. Paul writes, And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So hope is the third blessing. Now, what's really interesting is that the word translated rejoice in this passage is actually the word often used in the New Testament to describe the idea of of like sinful bragging or boasting. So, for example, look at your paper at the cross reference section. Uh, Even earlier in this letter, in chapter two, verse 23, Paul writes, You who boast, which is the same word translated as rejoice in our passage, you who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. And so at that point in the letter, Paul was addressing some Jewish believers who thought they were better uh, than the non-Jewish believers. Because, you know, unlike the non-Jews, they obeyed the law. They kept the diet restrictions. They celebrated all the holidays. They were circumcised and so forth. And so they, they boasted and they, and they felt superior to the non-Jews. And so this is a good example of what sinful boasting is all about. It's when we take joy, when we gain happiness in something because it makes us feel better than someone else or somehow makes us feel worthy of praise. So, so for example... If I were to tell you this past Monday at like 3.45 in my garage with Caleb Ruda, I put 390 pounds on my back 
and I squatted it, and not a high, not a high squat you see at those gyms, below parallel. And, and, no, and if I told you that, and, 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 all, and I know I would never brag about that, you know, I would never do that, but let's just say I did, you know, let's just say I did, you know, I would be bragging about it. Why? Probably because deep down, I believe that squatting 390 makes me more impressive to you, more valuable to you in your eyes. And that's really the motivation behind all boasting and bragging. It's an effort to prove to others that we're worthy of their attention and admiration. That we're deserving of their friendship and approval or we're better than them in some way. In fact, if you really want to know what you boast in, if you really want to know, just look at your neighbor right now. Just look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and ask yourself this question. What makes me better than them? Just go ahead and answer that question. Answer it honestly in your mind and heart. Look at, look at people in the room and ask yourself the question, what makes me better? All right, all right, all right, all right. You guys got a lot. <laughs> all right, all right. And, and so if you answer that question honestly, all right, whatever you clung on to, whatever you said to yourself, is probably what you boast in. That's where you're finding your joy and value. That's where you're finding security and meaning for your life. But here's the problem. Whatever you said in your heart and mind that makes you feel better than someone else, whatever it was, maybe you're taller, maybe you're smarter, Maybe you're stronger, more popular, more fashionable. You have more friends, more followers. You're a better runner or volleyball player. Whatever you boasted in. Listen, this is the key. It can all be taken away from you. It can all be taken from you. It's insecure. And often it's probably not even true. You're probably not as great as you think you are. So, so when, listen, when we boast in ourselves, we are basing our joy and our worth either in something insecure and fading and that can be taken away from us or a lie. Something's not even true. But Paul says our justification, the fact that God approves of us. God accepts us. God has made us righteous. Our justification offers us a different way to live. Instead of boasting in ourselves, he encourages us to take joy in something outside ourselves, something that we can take no credit for, something that's eternal and unchanging. And that is, he says, rejoice, brag, boast in the hope of the glory of God. That is, we boast in how while we, we are totally unworthy, 
While we are corrupt and broken by faith in Jesus, we, we have this hope. We, we have this confident assurance and an abiding conviction in our hearts that no matter what we face on earth, one day we will share in the glory of God forever. One day we will dwell with the one who in Psalm 16, it says, in his presence there is fullness of joy, fullness of joy, overflowing joy. And at his right hand, God's right hand, are pleasures forevermore. That's what we boast in. That's what the justified believer boasts in. So let me ask you a question. If you died tonight on your way home, if you died, if you got in a car accident and died, would you truly have that hope? Would you be confident in your soul that you have peace with God? That right now that you're, you're standing in his grace, do you have the hope of the glory of God or, or are you hopeless? Now, Paul says we don't only boast in the hope of sharing in God's glory, which that's a state to come in the future. But we also boast in our present suffering. So look at verse three. Paul writes, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. In other words, contrary to the way our world uh, works where they boast in, you know, our filtered pictures, our abs, and personal highlights. Paul says, justified believers with the hope of the glory of God, they boast and do the exact opposite. They boast in their lowlights. Their moments of weakness. Moments of pain and sadness. Moments of loneliness and embarrassment. Failure and rejection. Any and everything that comes to you because of the fall and, and a world dominated by evil, we boast. We rejoice. And, and why? So look back at the text. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing, so this is why, that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and, and character produces hope. And so we boast in our suffering, justified believers boast in their suffering because it's doing something to us. It, it's producing something in you. First, endurance, which is it's that ability to keep going keep pressing forward even when you're under a heavy load it's like it's like that uh, last sprint of practice it's it's when we push to finish that last lap even though we feel like we're going to throw up endurance is that ability to stick to it no matter how bad it hurts and no matter how bad it gets and paul says suffering suffering produces that ability in you it teaches us how to endure hard times. And as a result, he says, it produces, we grow in our character. Which means that, that suffering makes us battle-tested. 
proven not to cave. Reliable and trustworthy, which ultimately leads us right back to putting our hope in God alone, Paul says. See, in our modern day, we got it all wrong. Americans believe that the meaning of life is personal freedom and happiness. That, that the good life, that the best life you could ever live it, it, is the life where you do whatever you want, whenever you want, to make your life as happy and comfortable and pleasant as possible. That's what the world in America communicates to you all. That's the meaning of life. That's the good life. But when the meaning of life is our own personal freedom and happiness, we will view suffering then as an interruption, as nothing but an obstacle that stops us from fulfilling our purpose, which is to make ourselves happy. <laughs> and that's why our world, we're, we're obsessed. We're obsessed with doing everything we can to manage and, and relieve and medicate our suffering away as much as possible because we don't believe it plays a positive role in our life. And I'm not saying that we go pursue suffering, but what I'm saying is that Paul and the Bible view suffering differently. It's, it's not an interruption to your happiness. It's not an obstacle to your development. It's the very means by which you grow and become the person God made you to be. That's what suffering does in your life. And in verse 5, look there with me, Paul says, when suffering has its full effect, it produces a hope within us that does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That is, we're not going to be disappointed if we put our hope in God. We're not going to be Disappointed if we make God our only boast and treasure in this life. Because the Holy Spirit has convinced us in our hearts that God really exists. And that He really loves you. That He loves us. And He loves us with the kind of love that knows every weakness, every flaw, every imperfection and problem and still deeply, eternally, infinitely loves you. A love that even though we've neglected it, right? And we, we ran from it a thousand times, it keeps pursuing us. It's pursuing you right now, God's love, as I preach this gospel to you. It's coming after you and we spurn it and we spurn it. And yet it keeps coming after us. And it's because we've experienced that kind of love that we have hope in the glory of God. And that suffering produces us, it produces in us endurance and character and brings us back to hope. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And so, brothers and sisters, are you justified by faith? Can you sincerely say in your heart that you are at peace with God? That you live in His grace? 
that your only boast, right, is the hope of His glory and that you are letting suffering make you more like Jesus as it gives birth to greater and greater heights of hope for what is to come. Can you say that you know, that you know in your heart by the Holy Spirit the love of God? And if you can't say yes, Jesus invites you still today to believe. Even now, He invites you to believe. He's calling out to you saying, turn to me. Have the life I prepared for you. Come to me by faith and be justified by my blood. Come have peace with God. Come share in his glory forever. And the question is, will you answer his call? That's the question. That's the only question before you tonight. Will you answer God's call to trust in Jesus and receive every blessing in the heavenly places forever? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray by your grace, according to your mercy, that you would pour your Holy Spirit into our hearts and convince us of your love. Father, we're sorry that we keep turning away from you. We're sorry that we don't trust in your promises. We're sorry that we get distracted with the things of this world. Father, help us, please. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.